0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. During the 2016 election, there was a picture that was taken that a time photographer took of Hillary Clinton, and I may have shown this picture before, but I think it's so emblematic of the world in which we live now, where as you can see, everyone was trying to get a picture with Hillary Clinton, and this is emblematic of our culture because we all want to impress somebody, and I imagine what must have went out on their Instagram feeds and their Snapchats was, look who I was just with, even though they weren't really with her, but that's the kind of people that we are today, and that's for all of us. We, we want attention. We want to impress our friends, and we want to put forth a persona that we're, we're probably better than we really are. And this picture for me, I've kept this on my computer as a reminder that, that that is not what we're called to do if we follow Christ. And part of the problem with following Christ is one of the reasons it's hard is there's an enemy. But the other problem is us. And we spend a lot of time trying to get attention for ourselves and attention for the people around us. And and that may not be inherently the biggest problem that you face, but we all want attention. And Jonah, if you were not with us last week, we began a series on Jonah. Jonah was running from God's attention. And God loves Jonah, and he loves you enough to do some pretty crazy things to grasp our attention. If you remember last week as we talked through that God loves him enough that he'd send some storms. And I reminded you that that he'd send some storms to protect you from the biggest storms of all, which would be ourselves. And so as I see this picture, I, I see the reason that we struggle with our relationship with God is sometimes we're so focused on the attention that we could get ourselves that we miss the fact that God's trying to get our attention. Well, we're not alone. Jonah missed the fact multiple times that God was trying to get his attention. And if you are tracking along with us in Jonah chapter 2 is where we'll be today if you want to flip over there. It's really interesting. Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2 have essentially the same structure. And what I mean by that is that they're laid out very similarly. So it starts often like this, where in Jonah chapter 1, there's a problem, there's a prayer, there's provision, and there's a promise. In Jonah chapter 1, the biggest problem is that Jonah is running from God. He doesn't see it as big a deal until he gets onto the boat, though, and the sailors have a big problem, and he has a big problem, and there's a storm. And so in chapter 1, there's a problem. There's a prayer by the sailors. There's the provision of God who intervenes and encourages them to throw Jonah overboard. And then there's a promise as the sailors make vows to God that day. In chapter two, it's the same structure. There's a problem. Jonah gets swallowed by a whale. There's a prayer he offers up. We're going to spend a lot of time looking at his prayer today. There's a provision where God intervenes in a way that only God can intervene. And then there's a promise that Jonah makes back to the Lord. And so as you look at Jonah chapter one and chapter two, it seems that they're completely separate. And if you've read through the story of Jonah, many people skip over chapter two because it's just a prayer. But I wanna encourage you today to to look into what Jonah has to say because I think we can learn a lot about ourselves and a lot about what God would want us to do and how he wants us to pray. And it ends in Jonah chapter one, verse 17. They didn't ask my opinion, but I think verse 17 should be in chapter two. But we're gonna read verse 17 through chapter two real quick together, and then we'll discuss a little bit more about what God wants us to see today. It says in Jonah chapter one, verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the, to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and your currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose towards your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto to dry land. As we see what happens at the end of chapter one and end of chapter two, we see that Jonah is swallowed by a fish. And if you weren't with us last week, we went to Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus linked his life with Jonah in a unique way and said, "Look, it, just as the, Jonah was in the fish for three days, the son of Man will be in the ground for three days, and Jonah, or Jesus believed that Jonah was real. On the list of strange things Christians believe, this is not at the top of them. The one that we follow died and came back to life. The one that we follow spoke the earth into existence. And so it's not that far out of the normal reach of things to say that if he wanted to direct a fish to swallow a man, he could do it. Not only could he do it, he would have a specific fish in mind, apparently, because the Lord provided a huge fish in verse 17, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, he prayed. I think Jonah must have thought as he was thrown out of the boat that he'd finally escaped going to Nineveh. He was going to die, but he finally escaped doing what God wanted him to do. And as Jonah is sitting there floating in the water, the Lord provides a great fish to swallow Jonah. You see, what Jonah came to understand is that God does some of his best work in us when we're at the end of ourselves. God does some of his best work when we're at the end of our own rope. And the reason I say that is, is think back to last week. Jonah didn't pray when God commanded him to go to Nineveh, at least not that we have recorded. He didn't pray when he was in Joppa, ready to board the boat. He didn't pray in the ship, He didn't pray in the storm. He didn't pray when the storm got rougher or it got rougher or it got rougher. He didn't pray when he was floating in the sea. But Jonah, in verse one of chapter two, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God and then he said the following. And so God does some of his best work in us when we're at the end of ourselves. Jonah was right where God wanted him to be. He had his full attention. God had Jonah's undivided attention in the fish. And when we're at the end of our own self, when we're at the end of our own rope, God can do some incredibly important work. I wish Jonah had figured it out because as you read through chapter two, you're like, come on, Jonah, just get this over with, right? Just let up, right? But God loves him enough to continually pursue him and not only to pursue him, but do what was best for him. Jonah, it goes from bad to worse because as he's floating in the ocean, he gets swallowed by a fish and the fish takes him down. But from inside that fish, is where Jonah offers his prayer to the Lord. And what Jonah thought was a grave was actually a means of God's grace. I want you to think back through some of the more difficult times in your life. The things that you thought would kill you, God actually uses at times to help us figure out what he wants us to figure out. And what Jonah thought was a grave, surely he thought when I'm swallowed by the fish, I'm going to die. It was actually a means of God's grace. And as a little kid, as I heard the story of Jonah, I always thought, this is like game over for Jonah, right? If you haven't read through the rest of it, he's going to make it, okay? But for now, he's in the fish, and as he's in the fish, God uses that as a unique measure of his grace to rescue Jonah. He uses things that we would not typically use, right? And so as Jonah is in the bottom of the fish, he starts to pray to the Lord. It took the fish in order for Jonah to start praying. That's what it took. It may not take that for you. I hope it doesn't take that for you. Thankfully, in recorded history, we don't know of any other time this has happened where somebody was swallowed by a fish and lived. Hopefully, it will not take that for you, but for a lot of us, it might. And it was a means of God's grace that he would let Jonah be swallowed by a fish. Jonah praised some things in the next couple verses that are actually taken from the book of Psalms that David prayed. And as I read through this prayer this week, and as I kind of evaluated my own life, I was reminded of a couple things. If Jonah prayed this kind of thing, and David prayed this kind of thing, so David was a man after God's own heart, Jonah was a prophet of the Lord who didn't really do what the Lord wanted him to do. If they feel that way, then there could even be a time that you and I feel that way. Now, thankfully, we're not all going through storms at the same time, usually. Some of you may think, I I don't need this today. Well, tuck it away in your Bible or in your notes because you may need it someday. If you remember last week, I told you storms are like surgeries. They're never a big deal until they're you. And so as you think through what Jonah prays here today, I want you to understand that there are some things that happen in life that you can't download an app for, you can't Google the answer to, you need the intervention of a holy God. Jonah finally realizes that here in chapter two, that he needs the Lord, that he's been running from the Lord and it could be that we're coping with life in all the wrong ways. With depression higher than it's ever been before and anxiety rates through the roof, we could be coping with life in all the wrong ways. Matter of fact, I saw this tweet from Ray Ortland, who is a pastor in Nashville this past week I thought it was emblematic of what we should, how we should live. It says, when life is impossible, bewildering, heartbreaking, go back to the basics, back to the obvious tried and true essentials. Bible reading, prayer, honest community, and doing the right thing. Nothing fancy or unattainable, simple, proven, sustainable, and sustaining, and God is there. It could be that we're making life too hard, that we're making it a lot harder than it has to be. And Jonah, finally, in the bottom of a fish, recognizes what God wants him to learn, and so Jonah starts to pray. Now, Jonah's prayer is a little different than our prayer. He's going to use some language that you would not typically use. But I want you to see that the language that he uses, we, we kind of do say the same things at times. He uses some fairly poetic language. Maybe we don't talk like that. And unfortunately, a lot of our prayers are, uh, they usually go something like this. God, help me. God, bless me. God, thanks for this food. Give me a good day. There's nothing wrong with asking for any of those things, although I think we should ask to bless God because we've been blessed with a lot, but there's nothing wrong inherently with praying any of those things. But Jonah's prayer differs a little bit, and I want to help you understand why it looks so different, and hopefully it'll make sense as we go through it this morning. The first thing Jonah does in his prayer is he recounts God's faithfulness. Take a look at verse two of Jonah chapter two. It says in verse two, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. In verse two, he's actually quoting Psalm 18, verse six. And he says that, God, I called out to you and you listened to my cry. God listens to your cry, but you have to cry out. He indeed listens. And Jonah was all alone with God. What God had wanted him to learn from the beginning. He finally gets alone with God, and God does something incredibly powerful in this fish where he starts to change Jonah's heart, and God has him right where he wants him, and it says in verse 2 that in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I was blessed. I have been blessed with really good parents and a great mom and a great dad, and, uh, One of the things that they used to do when I was in high school that just frustrated me to no end is they would always ask me if I had a big problem, they'd say, have you prayed about this yet? And my answer was usually no. And so they wouldn't talk to me about this until I went and prayed about it. So like the typical good high schooler I was, I went over, God help me, thank you for this day. Okay, I'm ready to talk. And so then they would talk to me, and they did. But the thing they were trying to drive the importance of was going to the Lord to ask him for wisdom and for help. And so I appreciate that, Mom and Dad. Thank you very much. But for all of us, that needs to be a reminder, right? Jonah, last week, he had every opportunity to pray. The sailors were praying, but he wasn't praying. And he finally gets alone with God, and he starts to cry out. And I want you to notice the goodness and the grace of the Lord. Even if you have not prayed in the past five years, if you would call out to the Lord, he would hear you he would listen to your cry. And we see the grace of God evident even in the fact that Jonah recounts God's faithfulness and says, look, God, you listened to my cry. In verse three, he goes on to say that you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me and all your waves and breakers swept over me. He says that you hurled me, and it was your waves and breakers. And we can't miss the fact, he's quoting Psalm 42, verse 7, that Jonah recognized finally that God was in control. Right? He says, your breakers, your waves. God, you did this. You put me in this place. Jonah comes to understand a truth that we know inherently is that you can't outrun God. Deep in the realm of the dead, Jonah notices something that he It either forgot about God or that he just failed to realize. God had hurled the storm towards his way. God sent the storm. God sent the fish. God sent the waves. And God has sent everything that's into your life this past week your way. God knows about it. He cares about it. And he cares about you. He goes on in verse four to say, I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. Jonah simultaneously notices his own personal guilt in in verse four. I said I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Jonah senses both his guilt before God, but also the grace of God. And he offers that up as a prayer to let God know that's where he's at right now. God, I recognize I've been running from you, but I also recognize that I can look to you and towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. He's nearly drowning, and I just picture Jonah just bobbing in the water with seaweed all over his head. And he finally realizes his sin and disobedience has blinded him to what God wants him to know and it's held him down. And that's what happens with you and me. When we choose to walk away from what God would want, our sin and our disobedience is like wrapping seaweed over our head, throwing us into the middle of the ocean. It's up to our ears in water, and that's all that it does. And so Jonah says, look, I've been banished from your sight, God. Yet again, I'll look towards your holy temple. And then he makes this interesting statement in verse six. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth barred me in forever. And if you've been trapped in sin before, you know how that feeling is, is that you've got seaweed all over your face, that you are drowning, and that you've been barred in forever. That's how you feel. And Jonah is recounting that. And then he makes the statement though, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. There's no self-help or positive thinking that's getting Jonah out of this situation. He just knows he needs God. And the question I have for you today is, do you? Do you know that you need God? It took a storm, and it took some sailors, and it took almost drowning, and it took being swallowed by a fish, and it took all of that for Jonah to put these pieces together, to cry out to the Lord and say, but you, Lord, have brought my life up from the pit. He's quoting Psalm 30, verse three, or Psalm 40, verse two, depending on which way you look at it. He needs God, and he knows it. And for many of you, you can say those words just as Jonah has. You have brought my life up from the pit. Because when we're trapped in our own sin and disobedience, that's how it feels. And God brings Jonah up from the pit, and he sets him, as the psalmist would go on to say, sets him on solid ground. And so as Jonah is there, the first thing he did is he recounted God's faithfulness in his prayer. The second thing that he did is that he recognized where his help comes from. This is really, really important. It's not just enough to recount what God has done, but it's important to note that God is the one who does all of this because trials have a way of clarifying what's most important. He said, when my life was ebbing away in verse 7, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. His life was almost over, and then he cried out to the Lord my prayer for myself and for my kids and quite frankly for you this week has been that we would be the kind of people that would learn the lessons that God wants us to learn the first time. Right? That we would learn the lesson when we're commanded to do something and we would do it. Or we'd learn the lesson when we show up in Joppa ready to get on the boat. Or we'd learn the lesson when we experience a storm and recognize that God's trying to get our attention That we would learn those lessons the first time because Jonah, it took for his life to be ebbing away, dissipating, before he finally remembered the Lord. The great news about Jonah, and it is for you, is that that your life can be down to the last wire and you can remember the Lord. But why wait? If you have the opportunity to turn to the Lord today and ask for help, then, then why wouldn't we? You see, Jonah's eyes were fixed on Tarshish. They were not fixed on the Lord And it took the drastic love of a Father for Jonah to see correctly again. In verse 7, my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to your holy temple. And then Jonah makes a statement where he's continuing to recognize where his help comes from. In verse 8, he says, to those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. Now, up to this point, you may be saying, I don't typically pray like this. And you probably don't. I've never prayed that I felt like seaweed was wrapped around my head. But I have prayed, God, this week seems a little bit much. I don't know how much more I can take. You see, part of prayer is certainly laying out our request because God says if you don't have because you don't ask. But part of our prayer is what God uses to reorient and recalibrate our hearts is an acknowledgement of what's happening and an acknowledgement of who's in control and then a realization that we're called to trust in that. And so you may not be praying that seaweed is around your head this week or that you're down in the realm of the dead. But you can pray and you should pray, I would argue. Look, God, this is how I feel today. This is what it seems like. Because when we pray those things in that way, God, throughout his spirit, takes and helps us see things more clearly. Jonah's fixation was on Tarshish the whole time, to get as far away from God as he possibly could. His eyes were not on the Lord, and it took to the bottom of a fish for God to take his vision and to bring it back to where it should be. And that's what God does when we pray. That's how God works. And obviously, God could have worked sooner, but Jonah wasn't ready. And maybe you're not ready. Jonah recognizes in verse eight his own sin and disobedience, but this statement is really hard to to listen to if you know Jonah at all, right? He tells him, he says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And in essence, he's recognizing, God, because I turned away from you, I'm rejecting your love. Because I, I was... Swept up in my own pride and in the own selfishness of my life. Because I did that, I'm turning away from your love for me. And the the sad part about Jonah is, if you know the rest of the story, is he doesn't quite figure this out completely yet. But neither do we, right? How many times do you, how many times do we need to be reminded that God loves us? That God forgives us? That God cares for us? Right? Right? The, the message is pretty much the same thing I've been hearing since I was like this big. And I've learned more about God's love and I've learned more about God's forgiveness and I've learned more about God's grace, but, but we need to be reminded early and often because we are so, so quick to forget. The last thing Jonah does as a part of his prayer is he rededicates his life to the Lord in verse nine. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah, in verse 9, I think, gives one of the central verses of Scripture. Salvation comes from the Lord. And in a very physical sense, right, we think of salvation in a terms of a spiritual sense, and that's, that's also what we're going to get to, but Jonah, in a very real physical sense, recognizes that the only way this is going to change is if God intervenes. The only way this is going to get better is if God steps in and saves me. And Jonah says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Tim Keller in his book, The Prodigal Prophet, makes this statement, which I think is so incredibly profound. You see, being at the bottom is not what changed Jonah. It was prayer at the bottom that changed Jonah. He couldn't see salvation comes from the Lord on the shores of Joppa. He may have known it, but he couldn't see it. You may know that the Lord loves you, but do you see that clearly? Is that resonating deep down inside of you? Has it changed your outlook on yourself and your own failures? Has it changed the way that you look at other people? And as we look in the next two weeks, you're gonna see that Jonah is almost there, but not quite there because he doesn't quite see people the way that God wants him to see people yet. And he says, salvation comes from the Lord and being at the bottom may do a lot of things for you in life, right? People have told me before, I learned a lot of lessons at the bottom. And that's true. You might learn how to persevere at the bottom. You might learn how to get back up at the bottom. But prayer at the bottom is what changed Jonah. And prayer at the bottom is what will change you. Because that's what will reorient you to what God wants you to see in correct thinking. That will help you recalibrate your heart to what God wants you to do. Because God does some of his best work in us when we're at the end of ourselves. And so Jonah, at the end of the day, gets to the lowest of lows. And it's not the low that changes him. It's prayer. Because he recognizes God's faithfulness. He comes along and understands what God wants him to understand. And then he rededicates his life to what God wants him to do. Because God really can only work when we get to the end of ourselves. Jonah says, I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. He's making a promise, right? He's making a sacrifice. Thankfully, we don't need to do that anymore. Jesus Christ is our sacrifice, But what I vowed, I I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And then, I love this about the Lord. Jonah learns the lesson he's supposed to learn. And what's God do? He lets up. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish. I don't know how that was like, if that was like, just God thought that, or if God said, fish, get rid of him. But he vomits him up onto dry land. Jonah learned the lesson he wanted, the Lord wanted him to learn, and it was over. As quickly as it began, it was over. But Jonah couldn't have learned that lesson on the ship, apparently, or he wasn't willing to. It took being at the bottom of the ocean in a fish for Jonah to learn what God wanted him to learn, and then he was back on land, headed back to what God wanted him to do, at least for a little bit. We'll see what happens in the next two weeks, but I encourage you to read ahead. So I mentioned earlier that we've probably made life harder than we need it to be. We're so wrapped in grasping attention for ourselves, we miss the fact that there's a God who wants to get our full attention, and he loves us enough to send even a fish to swallow us and take us to the bottom. But it's at the bottom, when we're at the end of ourselves, that God can do something that only God can do when we're only ready to learn what God wants us to learn. And that's where he teaches us. And so if you're at the bottom today, I would encourage you to do maybe the one thing you haven't done yet, which is pray. And if you're not at the bottom, I would encourage you to do the one thing you probably haven't done, which is pray. And if you struggle to pray, um, actually, let's just take a quick poll. If you struggle to pray, Anybody? Good. Three honest people. The rest of you are liars. <clears throat> right? You struggle to pray because you have an enemy. And if we learn from Jonah that the, that the way that we recalibrate our hearts is not being at the bottom, but it's prayer at the bottom, then the one thing that Satan has to do to stand in the way of you and becoming who God wants you to be is just get in the way of your prayer time. Right? And he does this in a variety of ways. Right? in a variety of circumstances. And if you struggle to pray today, I wanna to give you a few things to maybe help you out because these are huge. And the, the day that we learn this is the day that we take huge strides in our faith. Because you can read the Bible all day long and it, it'd be great if you did that. But at some point, there's a God who wants you to recalibrate your heart to exactly what he wants you to do and he does that through prayer. First off, get alone and disconnect. Put your phone in the other room kick all the people out of the room you're in and just get alone. Go on a walk, head out to the back 40, wherever you need to go to get alone because that's where God does some incredible work, right? So get alone. Number two, um, we are selfish, selfish prayers, if that's a word. We are selfish prayers. And what I mean by that is that we all typically will pray for ourselves, for our families, and there's nothing wrong with that. I would encourage you to do that. Right? Fathers today, If you teach your kid how to throw a ball, you got to teach them how to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, I'm going to give you a few things here in just a minute to help out with that. But as fathers, we got to do that too. We got to help our kids learn how to do that. So the one thing you can do is get alone and disconnect. Number two, pray for others. Pray for others. One of the things that's helped me out so much is when I'm struggling to pray, and if I'm just spending time like, Lord, help me with this this week and this this week, start to pray for other people. It'll help you to see that God's doing some things far bigger than you. And there are some people that are far worse than you. And there are some that are far better than you. And praying for other people will do that. Pray, for script, pray scripture. So you can pray scripture. One of the verses I love to encourage people, we worked, worked with all of our small group leaders in the spring to help uh, all small groups pray scripture. And the verse that we used was Philippians 1, 9 through 10, and verse 27. There's three verses there. Philippians 1, 9 and 10, and verse 27. You can pray those verses and you will spend all week praying over some of the most important things of your life. So you can pray scripture, you can pray for others, and you can pray together. Right? One of, the, one of the reasons the church exists is to equip each other. And so a couple of ways this can happen. There's a group that meets on Sunday morning at 8.30 to pray for the church. I'm sure they'd be willing to have you come in. There's another group on Wednesday nights that meets at 6.30 that's led by Eric and Pam Lyon. They just began doing this and their whole purpose in doing it was to pray, but not just to pray, but to help other people learn how to pray. So if you don't know how to pray, you're like, this seems like a really foreign, weird concept to me, then come join them. It's a real informal time and they would love to help you learn how to pray more effectively. And so Jonah, at the end of his time in the fish, he shouts out, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And we can't end today without recognizing that Jonah was saved in a very physical sense as well as a spiritual sense, but in a very physical sense. I mean, if you're at the bottom of a fish, you're gonna be ready for deliverance. That's just what you do. But Jesus, when he described Jonah, he said that one that is greater than Jonah is here. And when Jonah states that salvation comes from the Lord, the question becomes, if salvation comes from the Lord, what do we do? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing you can do. Other than accept the free gift of salvation. Jonah had to go on and sacrifice, but we don't have to. I think of the words of Paul to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if for some reason you recognize today that as Jonah's prayer was going along there and that kind, of, that kind of represents your life, you feel weighed down by sin and the bad things that you've done and the problems that are in your life, here's the thing, the only way to fix those problems is by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when he paid for your sin on the cross, he made a sacrifice that was perfect. He was put into the ground, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, when he was put into the ground, it'd be in there just like Jonah was in there for three days and three nights. But one is here who's greater than Jonah, is what Jesus said about himself. And if you've never experienced salvation in a spiritual sense, I would remind you of the words of Paul to the church in Ephesus It is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift. And that's a gift that God would want you to receive. And so if you have never done that before, I'd encourage you to do that today. Stop running and surrender because God does some of his best work in us when we're at the end of ourselves. As we close our time today, I just wanna give you a few moments to pray. And maybe you can say, God, thanks for being faithful this past week. Maybe you can say, God, thanks for showing up or God, I just really need you now. But maybe we be people that just don't rattle off the same thing over and over again. Think about that. If, if your husband or, sp- or wife only talk to you like, hey, what's up, how's it going, good day, and that's all they ever said, they get old really fast, right? And that's okay to say to God. But God wants to know he already knows. It's just you acknowledging what's going on. And so we're going to give you just a moment to do that here as we close our time together. you continue to pray I just want to remind you of a few things that God listens to your cry and he cares about you and if we learn nothing else from the story of Jonah we learn that God is gracious that he is kind but that he loves us enough to let us even be swallowed by a fish in order to protect us and save us but more important than that he loves us enough that he sent his son Jesus to die and to save us from the greatest problem we'll ever face which is our sin and so today, if you don't know for sure if you have a relationship with God and that you've been forgiven from the biggest thing that is in your life, which is your sin, and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, I would encourage you to do what, what Jonah did, which is acknowledge where our help comes from. And you can tell God something like this. God, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I need you, that Jesus Christ is the only way to be right with God, and I'm asking you to forgive me now for my sin. I recognize, Jesus, that you rose from the dead and you're waiting for me and that I believe in you today. God, I ask you to forgive me for my sins, to come into my life and to lead me in the rest of my days here on this earth. God, we thank you that we can come to you and ask for anything. And we ask, God, that that you would help us as we go throughout the rest of our week to remember that you do some of the best work in us when we finally give up and let you so God may we be a praying people may we be a people who who love you and love other people but at the end of the day we'd be a people who rely on you if you knew today that salvation is what you need in a spiritual sense and, and maybe you even prayed something like that today would you be willing just to raise your hand right now And if so, I would encourage you to come find me or talk to me later this week. I'd love to give you some things to help you understand the decisions you've made. Or if you need prayer, come see us afterwards. We'd be happy to pray with you. God, we thank you once again for the time we have this morning to look into your word. Pray that it would continue to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name.